Good morning. It is as always an honor and a privilege to be with you. I've uh, been coming to the course of this camp meeting for many years, and I appreciate the privilege um, just to be in front of you. What an honor it is to be uh, able to speak the word and to be able to share it with you. And I hope and pray that you'll listen just for a few moments, and I hope to bring something that will not only... Uh, not only probably wake us up a little bit, maybe edify some and hopefully challenge us a lot. But I pray the Lord will bless what goes forth this morning. We ask you to be turning in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. I'll be using several scriptures throughout the readings today. So just keep your Bibles handy. I hope you have them. If you don't have them, well, listen real well, I guess. And hope, hope, hope I tell you the truth. But I hope and pray that you'll listen to me just for a few moments. I want to leave with this uh, slight story of these two young men that was going, and they were going fishing one day in a little canoe, a little boat, a rowboat. And as they were going in the, in the stream, as they were fishing, and they were sitting there and having a great time, they were fishing for, for fish, of course, and they had all their bait and everything. They got so excited. It was such a beautiful day. And as they were fishing for these things, and they, man, they were throwing their cast out and everything, they, they weren't paying attention really what's going on. And because they were so enthralled with what they were doing, they lost track of where they were. Because they started with most streams, as you can imagine, or rivers, they start, you start drifting. Without even trying, you just start drifting down the river. Without even paying attention, you start drifting a little bit because the stream carries you somewhere. And so as you're going on this stream and, and these boys are fishing, they sit there and they, they're fishing and they're getting some fish and they're so excited about their fish, they just really don't pay attention to their surroundings. And, and so all of a sudden they start hearing this noise. And as they hear this noise, as they're fishing, they said, wow, what's that? And they looked around and they didn't recognize the area they were in because they had drifted so far down the river that they didn't even, they weren't in the same spot at all. They were completely down the river. And as they started seeing what was going on, they heard a roar now. The roar started getting louder and louder and louder. And all of a sudden, as they heard this roar, they started getting their, their oars out and they started rowing as hard as they could. But unfortunately, because of the roar, it was a waterfall that they had rolled, they, they was drifted toward. And as they started rowing, they couldn't get away from the swift, swift uh, stream. And the, the currents had taken them so heavily down the river and so close to the waterfall. Now it was so hard and they rowed as hard as they could. And unfortunately, the currents took them over the waterfall. About a week or two later, they found these two boys' body and what was left of the boat that were they was in because there was rocks at the bottom of this waterfall and as they plummeted off the waterfall the rocks just destroyed everything including the two young men. I want to talk to you about a subject this morning and I hope and pray that you'll listen carefully because I think it's a very needed subject in our day and time that we live in but I hope to talk to you about a subject of drifting. Are you Drifting. It's a pretty simple subject, actually, because if you think about it, drifting isn't hard. All the boys had to do is just stay in the boat. They didn't have to put any effort to it. They didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to try hard. They just stayed in the boat. All they had to do was be there. 
There's a lot of churches that have people in our church today that just seems to be drifting. They're not hot. They're not cold. They're just there. It seems like we just show up sometimes, and honestly, most of the time, we don't show up because we've got other things going on. Well, you know, we've got a dinner for somebody. We've got something to do. We've got a baseball game or a basketball game or about any other kind of game, for that matter. It doesn't take any special game, just a game. And so we've got anything and everything, and so we just start just drifting along, and we start getting cold and lax and really complacent with our life with the Lord. And Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed, the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them. So if we get a warning that it can slip, that means it's possible for it to slip, and that means we need to be careful, and we need to give it more earnest heed so that we don't let what slip. You know, we, we have a lot of things in our life that we can let slip, and it's not a big deal. Listen, uh, I, I'm a real estate agent as well. I've got my license here in Ohio now, and, and by the way, if you need anybody, no, I'm just kidding, but if you, <laughs> but I got my license in Ohio, and, and every, um, in my birthday, you're supposed to have a, uh, you're supposed to renew your license. And I've been busy this summer. It's been a really a busy with revivals and camp meetings and, and preaching at home and different things. It's been really busy. And, and I thought about it yesterday as we were doing some things. But then at last night I was studying, trying to get ready and get my mind straight, figure out where God wants me to go on, on this morning. And I got busy. And on your birthday, you're supposed to renew your license. Well, my birthday was yesterday, and I woke up first thing this morning, and guess what was on my mind? I didn't renew my license. I'd had a warning that sent me an email that said, hey, it's about a month from now, you've got to renew your license. If you don't renew your license, you're going to be suspended. I had warnings. There were things that come my way that talked to me about it. There were things that told me, hey, you better get it done, or something's going to happen that you're not going to like. And yet, I said, okay, I'll take care of that a little later. I'll take, there, I'll take care of it because I really don't have time now. I'm in a revival. The revival got done. I got back home and pray, trying to catch up and preach and get everything done at home. And then all of a sudden at home, I thought, you know what? I don't have the time right now, but I'll do it here next week. And next week, I was in the camp meeting, and, and camp meeting was really good. And I was excited about camp meeting. I was enthralled with the camp meeting. And, and I thought, well, I'll get it next week. And I kept putting off the license. And guess what? I called this morning at 8 o'clock this morning because that's when they open. And I thought, I'll catch them. Surely they'll give me a little grace. I mean, it's just, what, a few hours since it's open. She says, I'm sorry, it's suspended. And so now I have to pay an extra fee. Honey, I got to pay an extra fee. <laughs> She's got to pay an extra fee <laughs> to get my license back. It, it costs me something to drift. It cost me something to be complacent. It cost me something to put it off. It cost me something. I got news for you. It costs you something. For you to do nothing is not a solution. It's not a way out. It's not anything to help you. In fact, doing nothing is absolutely doing the wrong thing because what happens is you drift from what you're supposed to be to where you're going to be. And I want you to notice a few things about drifting. It's really difficult because you, you think about drifting, you think, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is to end up in shipwreck. The, you don't have to do anything about it. It's very easy to do. All you got to do is go with the flow. 
People want to do that all the time in our country today. They want to just go with the flow. Just don't make any waves. Just, well, you know, let live and it's all right. I got news for you. It's not okay. There's a lot of mess going on in our world today that's not okay. And somebody needs to talk and say and do something to speak the word of God and preach the word of God. And by the way, you need to live the word of God. We can't just drift along. We can't just be complacent. We can't just let it go. That's what we got us in the place we're in today. Too, too many times we're just drifting. It requires no effort. It's an unconscious process. I kind of like that part because I hate to think sometimes. I just like to just check out, you know. I wish I could just check out and not have to think about anything. Just kind of do my own thing. Just not worry about nothing. Not think about nothing. Not plan for nothing. Boy, doesn't that sound good? I just like to take a break. My break used to be, you know, going somewhere, doing something. You know what my break is now? I, I can tell I've got older. I can tell I got older because my break is sitting in my lounge chair in my living room, turning on a golf uh, program, and then about the second hole falls fast asleep. I love that. That's my good day. People say, do you have a good day? Oh, I had a great day today. I just took a big, long nap. That's a wonderful day. I used to think, how could people take naps? Now I love taking naps. That's my highlight of my day because it's an unconscious process. I just relax and do nothing. But the problem when I fall asleep and do nothing, guess what? The world keeps going on. Problems keep happening. People keep raging, and the world keeps going crazy. I'm telling you, doing nothing, unconscious process, doesn't mean you're getting by. It just simply means you're ignoring the problems that you have. There's people in the church today that's got issues in their life right this minute, and they're doing nothing thinking, oh, it'll be okay, or God will forget, or I'll forget, or they'll forget. Can I tell you something? It's an unconscious process, and it's dangerous. Being complacent, doing nothing is not an answer. It adds to your issue, and because it adds to your issue, your problem gets bigger because when people don't know the truth, guess what? They make it up. I found that out to be over my lifetime. I found out that they make it up as they go along. If they don't know answers, they just fill in the blanks. Well, I, if you haven't had that experience yet, it's really fun because you hear the same story that you was living, and they tell you what's going on, and I'm thinking, How, where'd you get that from? How'd you come up with that? Well, so-and-so didn't know the answers, so they started making up and filling in the blanks. Can I tell you something? Truth is always truth, whether you like it or not, whether they like it or not. We need to be, start being more, less unconscious and more, um, more, I can't even think of the word I'm trying to think of. Diligence a good word. <laughs> We need to be more apt to be doing the things that God wants to do. We need to be focused, intent. That's the word I'm trying to think of. We need to be more intentional in our actions, more intentional in our day. Most people wake up at 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, wherever you're at in life, and we wake up and we say, wow, how did time go by? What happened? Where did it go? I don't know about you, but I'm 54 yesterday, and I'll be honest with you, it felt like I was just 23 days ago. 
I've got a child that's almost 30 sitting over there, and I'm thinking, how in the world is she, where'd she come from? Yesterday, she was a baby in my arms, and he said, let me tell you something, there's unconscious life of not planning, not being intentional, not striving, not doing something, is simply a way of just passing time and wasting life. When you wake up, I know some of you here today, is, and bless your heart, I'm so thankful for you that you're retired. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad for you. I, I tell people all the time, I'm going to retire one day. When I'm about 120, I'll probably, maybe, possibly get to retire. But I don't know for sure, so I'm not really going to say that. So it's, let's just put it in a range of 120 to 130, I'm going to get to retire. But listen, as you retire, sometimes we check out. We check out. We just say, hey, I'm retired now. I can relax. I can do nothing. You know what? The problem is that that's a worldly idea, not a godly idea. The worldly idea is I've lived my life. I've put my time in. I've put my 20, 30, 40, whatever years in, and I'm done. No, the problem is you're talking about the world. The world says you're done. God says you still got breath in your lungs and, and a heartbeat. You still got a mind that works. You still got energy in your bones. And you still got a work to do. If you didn't have a work to do, it already took you out. God's got a purpose for your life. And you need to quit being unconscious about your life and start being very intentional about your decisions. If you do that, God will bless you. That's why he's telling us here in Hebrews again that he says, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed, the more earnest heed. Why? Because we're getting older, closer to the grave. Brother Chick Wilson used to preach, and man, I was telling him the other day to some people, he used to preach, and some of you might have known him. If you did, praise the Lord, you're great, uh, and I appreciate it. But let me tell you, when he preached at home in West Bend, Kentucky, I would watch him preach. He used to have as a young man, I was, of course, in nursing school, and I would watch him from a back uh, spew or somewhere, and I was sitting there, and he was preaching, and his face would get red. His cheeks would blow out. He was so intent on what he was saying. He was so, so passionate about what he was saying. I was thinking at any second, this man's going to have a heart attack, and i got to get to him, and I'm the only one that knows how to do CPR, and i got to get to him and know who to tell to call 911 to get an ambulance here as fast because someday he's going to have a heart attack preaching. Well, thank the Lord he didn't. But he believed in what he said. He lived what he said, and I'm telling you what he preached with a passion. I remember the day still in my lifetime, and I'm young enough to remember and old enough to remember at the same time that there used to be men of God, women of God that would stand in the pulpit with a passion, a burden in their heart, and they were intentional about what they said because they believed it and they knew the souls were at stake. Today we got people in the pulpits that just see a speech. They just speech. They have nice words. They tell you how good you are. They pat you on the back. They give you a little fist pump. It's almost an unconscious process to lull us to sleep. I got news for you. The devil's real. Hell's real. And we cannot be unconscious in our process, but we've got to be intentional in our ways, and we've got to seek God, and we've got to be more earnest now than we've ever been. And if we don't, the world, the world will go on. Life will proceed. And we will be lost. You say, hold up, pastor, I'm in the church. Praise the Lord. Just because you're in church doesn't mean you are the church. Love you. Just because you're in the church, that's a position. That's a position, not a relationship. 
Just because you're in the church doesn't mean you are the church. To be out of the church, you have to have an intentional purpose of saying, God, I need you in my life and I cannot do without you. We never drift upstream. Did you notice that? Wouldn't it be funny to drift upstream? I love to watch National Geographic. When my son was younger, me and him would sit there and watch his wildlife things and National Geographic and all that. And I love to watch the salmon. I think it was a salmon that swim upstream. Is that right? been a while since I watched it. But the stream was flowing. I mean, in fact, not only flowing, but there's parts where they'd have to jump up and swim. And they would swim back to where they were born so many years ago. And every year they would swim upstream to be able to hatch their eggs or lay their eggs so that they have multiplication. They would grow their families. What an effort. What an amazing feat. What a way that God's created these animals. They had to put a lot of, a lot of, a lot of swimming, a lot of effort, a lot of strength. And as they did, they were blessed, some of them, to make it. I got to ask you quickly, and I got to move on because there's a few things I'd like to say. I like to ask questions. I've learned in my lifetime questions do a lot better than me making statements because questions make you think. If I, you come to me and say, what do you think about this? I give you the statement. You're going to just think about that and say, okay, go, I'm done. But if you sit there and ask me a question, I'll say, hey, well, what do you think about that? Now, all of a sudden, your mind has to open and your thoughts have to work and you have to start thinking on your own and you have to think about what this says. So let me ask you a question. How much effort... How much effort do you take in your daily life, in your walk with God? How much effort do you put in your relationship with the Lord? How much effort do you put into seeing your sons and daughters and grandchildren and friends and neighbors and co-workers? How much effort do you put into seeing them saved? Well, I come to church, wow, did, are they here? Is your family here? Is your lost sons and daughters here? Nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, guess what? They're not. Are they going to listen to the message today? Most of the time, you're going to say, no, they don't. Do they read the Bible? No, they don't read the Bible. Of course they don't. They're lost. That's what lost people do. They don't read the Bible. Do they listen to sermons? Do they listen to prayers? Are they praying themselves? No. Why? Because they're lost. And so what do we do? We sit there and we go to church. And then we pat each other on the back because we say, well, we pray for them. Well, now, don't get me wrong. There is tremendous power in passionate prayer. I think that's a great message right there. But there's a tremendous power in passionate prayer. Not just prayer, but passionate prayer. Prayer with a, a purpose. Prayer with a, with a determination. Prayer that really seeks God with faith behind it. But can I tell you something? God puts you here for a reason. And it's not to be unconscious in the process. It's not just to drift along. It's not just to be, be, be here. God put you here to make a difference in the world that you live in. There ought to be a determination, a, a, a striving. There ought to be something in us to say, I want to swim upstream. Why? Because everybody else is going downstream. 
And the majority, nine times or ten times out of ten, are wrong. I wonder today how much effort we're putting into the church. I see a lot of church houses drifting today. A lot of congregations that's diminishing and not growing. I see a lot of people that's in their personal walk not growing in Christ. And I'm afraid that too many times we're drifting in our own selves and we don't even realize it. Why? It's an unconscious process. It's easy to do. You don't even have to think about it. All you got to do is be there. Too many of us are drifting along. We don't even realize where we're at. We used to be close to God when we were 13, 20, 50, wherever you're at. But somewhere along the line, we don't feel the passion we once felt. We don't feel the burning sensation in our soul. We don't get excited about the things of God. We don't even get compassionate about the things in the church anymore. We don't get really excited about the message. In fact, we just endure it sometimes. Now, I know I'm not talking about anybody here. It's probably the church down the road, but just listen to me for a moment. Sometimes we get older, we get going to church so much, we get so complacent in our attitudes, our thinking, our sitting, and just our church services that we just get used to it. By the way, if I say something right, you can go ahead and say amen. It won't scare me. In fact, I kind of push it to my congregation. That way I can go a little faster. If you don't, I'll back up. We'll talk about it again. Hello? Anybody want to eat lunch today? You see, sometimes we're drifting and we don't even realize it. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. It says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge. You know what it says? It says keep pressing, keep learning, keep doing Keep in action. Don't quit. Don't let go. Quit drifting and start going somewhere. What did you accomplish yesterday for the kingdom of God? What did you do to advance the kingdom? What did you do to speak to somebody? What did you do to to witness to somebody in the church? Listen, well, I come to church. I've done youth service or I've done church service. That's not advancing. That's advancing you. Praise the Lord. And I'm thankful for it. But there ought to be more to life than that, huh? There ought to be more than life than me and what I get out of it. Some people come to church just to get blessed by themselves, just to be fed. Oh, I want your blessing, God. And that's why they come to church anymore. I'm telling you, there's got to be more to church and God and the relationship with Him than just feeding me. That's why we're getting fat. Sorry, I'm getting fat. You may not be. I want you to notice one thing about drifting is when you get closer to the edge or closer to the brink of going over the waterfall, it gets faster. (laughs) It gets more hard. In fact, it becomes so difficult to get back upstream like these young boys, they died. You see, the devil wants to just allow us to be lulled to sleep. In Revelation, it plainly tells us, he says, hey, I would rather you be cold or hot, but not lukewarm. You know why? Lukewarm is basically drifting along, doing nothing, not raising any waves. Just go along to get along. Let me tell you something, that's not good enough in Jesus' eyes. Christ, if he was living like we was, where would we be today? If he'd done what we're doing, how close to God would you be right now? 
Man, I'm telling you what, I'm scared about that. There used to be a church that was passionate, on fire, on the firing line, in the battle, making the difference. And now you know what the, the world calls us? Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Archaic. No use for them anymore. They're behind the times. They're not helpful. In fact, the best thing they say is, we're narrow-minded. Hello? Am I the only one who hears this? And you know what we do? Well, who cares? I'll tell you who cares. Jesus cares. Jesus cared enough to come to this world, to live a life so we can have an example, to die on an old rugged cross, and so that we might see his sacrifice for our sins, to go to a borrowed tomb and then on praise God on the third day to be resurrected in the power and glory that God gave him. And he's at the right hand of the Father right now making intercessory prayer not only for you but for everyone so that they might be saved. He cares. And if he cares, shouldn't we care? If he's concerned, shouldn't we be concerned? I believe Jesus is praying more diligently today than he's ever prayed. You know why? Because time is short and eternity is getting close. I believe he's praying more today for the church because the church needs revival. And you know what we do? I'll take the position. We cross our arms, fold our hands, and kind of lay back on the pew and say, Wow. When's he going to shut up? I'm telling you, we're drifting. You might not want to admit it. You might not want to think about it. But I'm telling you, as a whole, we're drifting. Maybe individually, we're drifting. I'm concerned because not only is it dangerous to you, but it's dangerous to people around you. When one boat starts drifting down the stream, let me tell you something, then he gets in the way of everybody else and he starts running into things he shouldn't be running into. It becomes a dangerous situation. You and I are drifting, and when we become drifting, so let me tell you something, we start hurting other people around us. Your kids are not going to hear the gospel like they once did. Your grandkids are not going to hear the gospel like they once They're not going to hear mommy and daddy praying if you're drifting because you're not interested in prayer anymore. If we're falling away from God and we're not passionate like we used to be, if we're not praying like we used to be, if we're not seeking God like we used to, then I'm telling you what, it not only harms you, but it harms everybody around you that you have an influence with. Your co-workers and friends and neighbors and children and grandchildren ought to be hearing the gospel from you. They ought to be seeing it live through you. But if you're not passionate about God, then who else will be? I'll say it one more time, and you're going to hear it probably a few more times, that I think we're drifting. I used to love camp. I still love camp meeting. I really loved camp meeting back then. I can remember times in my young days when I came to camp meeting, and my mom, my dad, my brother, my sisters were not saved. I was the only one in the... That's a miracle in my mind. I'm just amazed by that. God said, you, come here. I'm amazed by that. 
But I would go to camp meeting all by myself. Didn't know a soul hardly at all except for a few people in our little church. And, and as I would go to camp meeting, I would see people just rejoice and be glad and throw hands of praise up and, and cry tears down their face. And they would come to pray, not only even for themselves, but for somebody else. And they had a burden. And preachers would stand in the pulpit with passion. And they didn't care how long it was. I know that blows our mind today. They didn't even care how long they preached. They cared that the message got through to the heart and souls were saved and people were come back to Christ. That's all that was on their mind. Amen? And now our world, our church services are so veered to where we care more about the clock on the wall than the soul in the pew. Man, I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart, we're drifting. And somebody needs to do something about it. And I got news for you, the preacher can't do it. All he can do is give you the message. All he can do is warn you of the, of the problems. But all you can do is come to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I am not what I used to be. I used to be stronger in my life. I used to live closer to you. I used to pray harder. I used to have more compassion and passion. And now, Lord, now I'm a fixture in a pew. Now, Lord, I'm just drifting. You see, if we're drifting, it ends in shipwreck. There's no good way out of drifting. It ends in shipwreck. So what do we say? How you, Brother Don, how, how do I know? Well, first of the thing, the God's word doesn't mean as much to you anymore. When you start drifting from God, and your word, the Word of God doesn't mean as much to you anymore. You don't want to, you're not a passionate about reading. You're not excited. I got a young man in our congregation that just went to youth camp uh, in June, I believe it was, just last month. And, and man, they had a great service there. And, and uh, I heard about it before he even told me about it. It was a great service where the kids were really uh, excited. And even after service stopped, the kids had gathered a big circle and they were praying and singing and just rejoicing in the Lord. A big young, I mean, just a huge amount of young people just, and many of them got saved during that service. I was so excited about hearing that, man. That, was just, that just excited me. I know, you know why? One reason is because all those young people were there, but the other reason is because some of our young people were there. And I say, Lord, touch them. And so I get this young man that's in, a, in that group and he sits there and he texts me or calls me and he says, hey, pastor, I really got saved. I mean, I really got saved. He says, I, and God's laid a message on my heart. He's about 20, 21 years old. I said, praise the Lord. That's awesome. He said, I wonder if you'd give me some time in the pulpit. Now, you know, my mind is going back to my growing up days and you don't get in the pulpit until, you know, you're ready and seasoned. Well, how do you get ready and seasoned? I never have figured that one out quite yet, but you had to get ready and seasoned because you didn't mess up the service. So I thought in my head, after I went through the process of being the pastor, I thought, why not? Let him loose. He might set us on fire. 
He's going to bring a new direction, a new dimension to our church. He's going to, he's going to give a wild, man, let him go, let him rip. I said, yes, sir, I'll do that. And we worked at a time and date just last Sunday night. We, he preached or done the best he could about preaching. And he had a great message, a wonderful, potent message. It wasn't, you know, the best uh, presentation, which I, you know, expected. But our people eat it up. You know why? Because a young man that had dedicated his heart and life to the Lord, and he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. He didn't care how embarrassed he would get. He didn't care how much he had fell on his face. He didn't care how bad it looked or how bad it sounded. He just wanted to do what God wanted him to do. And I said, thank the Lord. We need more people to rise up in our pews and quit thinking about what everybody else thinks and says and does and start saying, what do you want, God? I pray God help us today. That he would help us not to drift any longer. That he would wake us up and make us be the church that God has intended us to be, that God has he's made us to be, that he's he saved us to be. I'm tired of seeing the church in turmoil. I'm tired of seeing the church irrelevant. I'm tired of seeing the church demolished and made fun of because I'm tired because Jesus paid an ultimate price for this church and every church that believes in Jesus. I'm tired because God has done everything in his might to make us what we can be and all the potential is there. And unfortunately, we sleep and we drift. And that shipwreck, that drifting ship, that life that's gone astray, that life that's unconscious, that life that's not putting effort to it, is the same life that comes to my office and says, hey, our marriage is in trouble. Our our marriage is in trouble. I don't know what to do. I don't know where it happened. I don't know what's going on, but my marriage, I have had more marriage counseling lately than I don't care to deal with. Why? Because people are drifting. It's not about the marriage. It's about the spiritual well-being of their soul. They've drifted from God. They're not where they used to be. They don't love like they can be because God is the center of that. I'm reminded of these two ladies in our congregation a few years ago, our youth and some of the adults took a trip down a, a river on a canoe. And we'd done these canoe trips, and it was really fun. We had a great time, sort of. Sort of, because there's these two ladies that went on this trip. And when they went on the trip, they signed up voluntarily. They signed up. Nobody made them. We told them what it was about. We told them what they was going to do, and they signed up. I didn't personally look down the list and see who all was going. I just kind of loaned the ride with the youth mostly, and I just wanted to be a part of their lives and see what they're doing and kind of get involved with their, you know, their activities. And all of a sudden, these two ladies get in the canoe after everybody else has got in the canoe, and they were kind of starting to go down the river. There's these two ladies that got in the canoe, and these two ladies could not swim. Which poses a little problem when you get in a canoe going down a river with a stream, you know, going down with a pretty good, pretty good uh, uh, current. 
and several water little things. And I didn't know they couldn't sw swim. I just went on my way, got my canoe with another couple of people, and I sat there, and we were going to paddle out. And all of a sudden, we paddled out a little ways, and I hear, help, help. I look around, and there's these two ladies in the river. Canoes turned upside down. They're not 20 feet off the deck of the, where they got into it at. Help, help. Naturally, uh, my mind starts whirling and I start jumping into action because that's who I am. So I get in the river, leave my perfectly comfortable dry canoe, and I get in the river and I'm going toward them and about halfway to them as I'm swimming, I felt something. It's ground. The ground's waist deep. So naturally, I think wisdom kicks in, right? Hey, stand up. It's waist deep. Help, help. They're screaming to the top of their lungs. People hear them from everywhere. They're looking at them like, what the world's going on? I said, stand up. It's okay. It's waist deep. I'm walking. They're still floating. They're floating toward the shore. I'm almost to the first one. And I grab her by the shoulder. I said, look, stand up. And sure enough, she stood up. But by the time I got to that one, the other one's floating over there. And she's still saying, help, help. I'm drowning. I said, stand up. She said, my legs won't move. I didn't realize that when you drown, you get, or think you're drowning. You didn't drown. You couldn't drown. Well, you could have. But I didn't know when you started drowning, your legs paralyzed all of a sudden. But apparently it does because apparently it happened to her. And she said, I can't move my legs. I said, hang on. I walk over, walk over to her. I walk over to her. And I pick her up by the shoulders and stand around. And you know what she says? Thank you. No, that's not what she said. Thank you so much for saving me, Pastor. You're the best pastor in the world. No, that's not what she said. You know what she said? Why'd you save her first? Why'd you save her first? You went to her first. We have had laughs after laughs after laughs about that little experience. I promised I wouldn't bring it up too many more times in my lifetime, but it's just too good to pass up. I see God has given us the church, the power, the grace, the mercy the forgiveness, to stand up in the midst of the current. God has blessed us with the full armor of God to do everything we can to stand. He says, when you can't stand, you stand there and see the power of God manifest in your life. God has given us the ability and the power to rebuke the devil Put him under our feet and stomp his ugly head in the ground. God has given us the beautiful privilege of prayer. God has given us the church.
God has given His Word and His Spirit. And we're drifting on a river that all we have to do is put our feet down on the ground and stand up. I'm asking you today, are you drifting? Do you love the Word like you once did? Are you praying like you once were? Do you feel the power of the Spirit like you once did? You say, well, pastor, what I do? Yeah, the first thing you do is what this dear brother did. You start rolling. You start rolling. You quit drifting and you start putting effort into it. You start getting back to where you're supposed to be. You bought Revelations 2 and tells us you find your first love. You get your priorities back where they're supposed to be. You put God first. That's what you do. Too many of us in the church have gotten our priorities so out of whack. You know why? We're listening to everything but God. We're watching everything but what God's doing. Amen. We're so distracted with the things of the world that we forgot really the purpose that God put us here for. Start rolling. Start being intentional. Start loving God. Start doing things. Start being, start being the church again instead of just be present. Listen, this is not a spectator sport. This is a sport that you have to be a participator. Uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter, Natalie, goes to church here. Got saved several months ago and I was, man... My wife and I was rejoicing. Praise the Lord. It's amazing to hear her talk about things now. It's the same things that were happening before. But now she's excited. Now she gets something out. Now she takes note in church. Now she sings in the choir. Now she helps with the children's church. Now she's active. What changed? She quit drifting. She had been in church since the day she was born. In fact, probably before she was born because my wife and I never missed congregational services. She knew what church was. She knew who Christ was. She knew what God was. She knew what we were supposed to do. But she was drifting for years. And now, praise God, she got saved. And you know what happens now? She cries on the phone and says, why don't everybody get saved? I don't understand why they don't understand how good God is. She quit drifting and she started rowing. And now she's seen a whole new world. And God's blessed her. Again, I'll tell you something. I don't know how you feel about it in this church, but I think she's blessed a lot of other people because she got saved. It's blessed other people. That's how it works. That's what happens. Quit drifting. Start rowing. Get busy for God because he's got a plan for you and he's got a purpose for you. Amen? Somebody with me this morning? Let me tell you one more. I'm, on, I'm almost done, I promise. Watch for the undercurrents. It's so easy to get swept out without even knowing it. I lived in Guatemala for about three and a half years as a missionary, about three or four years, I can't remember. 
lifetime ago, it seems like now, early 20s. And as I went to Guatemala, there was some wonderful, it was on the Pacific Ocean side of Guatemala, and of course, where Brother Kelly is uh, over it now. And um, I was the only missionary there as far as living there full time. And I learned Spanish relatively well. God blessed me with being able to pick up the language and, and be able to talk to them pretty fluent. I was their doctor, as many of you know. I delivered 25 babies. That was a I know that's amazing still. I want to go back hopefully next year. We're going to go down and, and I hopefully see some babies and now they're 30 years old. It's hard for me to believe that they're 30 years old now. Most of those babies were named after me or my family members because they had always asked, what do you think we ought to name it? I said, Donald, that's me. <laughs> There's Donaldos running everywhere down in place. And then I'd say, Patricia, my mom, and my brother, my sisters, and all, you know, and I start, ran out of family, so I started naming names of my friends and neighbors, and I had my whole family right there in Guatemala. It was beautiful. But it, I would go to different mission places every day, and certain days of the week, I would do mission or uh, medical treatments or medical journeys, and, and I would go to these certain villages every day, and so they expected me on certain days to be in certain places. And so one day it was at the at the ocean, near the ocean, and a lady's house that was there, and her husband, and, and he was a fisherman. I loved to go to that place because I got fresh seafood every time I went. And I knew that. I was looking forward to that. I was like almost putting one them. I wanted to put them like four days a week, but I didn't. But sometimes they would say that the ocean is angry. That's the words they would use. The ocean is angry. Very descriptive. Very, very wonderful way of saying it. The ocean is angry. And what they meant was, what they meant was, you better not go swimming that day. And the reason you can't go swimming that day, because when the ocean comes in, it's okay. You can handle the waves coming in. But the problem is the undercurrent. The undercurrent would rip you back and would take you out and would drown you without you. You could put every bit of effort you can and you would drown and they said, don't go in the ocean, it's angry. Can I tell you something? The world we live in today is very angry. There is undercurrents, there's riptides, there's things that try to pull you away and try to destroy you and kill you and steal your joy. It's trying to take your marriage and break it apart. It's trying to take your children and crush them under the weight of it. The undercurrent of the riptides are very angry. Remember that. Watch for that. Be alert for that. And protect yourself from that. How do you do that? Back to the Word. Back to prayer. Back to the Holy Spirit. Back to being in church. Back to being active. We live in an angry world. A divided world. A terrible world that's, I'm scared to death. Not for me. I'm getting too old for them to change my mind. To mess me up too much. I already messed myself up enough. I, they can't do me any better than I did. I'm concerned for my kids and my grandkids and the church that they're going to see one day. I'm concerned for that. I'm worried to death about that. Because I can see the changes that's been made in my life and I can't imagine what's going to be made until they get to be an adult. Oh, the world is angry. Be alert. Be aware. Be ready. And then let me tell you the last thing. To protect yourself from drifting, you've got to have a good anchor. Yeah, in fact, you've got to have a really good anchor. We have a, a boat. We have a pleasure boat, and I love it, except for it don't run half the time. 
That kind of puts a, you know, a little problem with your fun, you know, when kid, the boat won't start. And especially when you're in the lake and the boat won't start. That's really not a very fun time. But one time I got a boat, and I'm, kind of, I'm a cheap kind of guy. I don't like to spend a lot of money. If I can get out cheap, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to spend the least I can to get what I need to do, and that's it, period. I just, it's the way I live. I, Goodwill is the best place in the world for me. I love Goodwill. And then thrift store, hey, right next to it, I love thrift store. And if I really go high dollar, I'm going to Walmart or Meyer or something of sorts like that. Aldi's is wonderful. I love Aldi's. But my wife don't shop at Aldi's, and I don't buy the food, so she, you know, I talk to her. But. So I, I got this boat, and it's a, big, it's a pretty good-sized boat underneath. It's called, a, it's called a deck boat, and underneath it's like a pleasure boat. You can go about 35 miles an hour, plenty enough to ski or whatever you want to do. And on the top, it's like a pontoon. It's a wonderful crossbreed, if you will. And the top has a rail around it. So if you didn't hear all my youngins, grandkids over here screaming and holler, Tucker used to do it. Now he's kind of got out of the stage of screaming. Now we have a little granddaughter that takes his place wonderfully and has a great little shrill. And so I can put them all on there and they're safe. We put their life jackets and it's really a nice thing to do. And so I bought this anchor because I needed an anchor. And you have this anchor, and the anchor, you throw it over, of course. The anchor is supposed to keep you in the spot you're going to be in, and you don't want to leave that anchor because it's, I mean, it's there. It's, it's what it's supposed to do is stop you, right? Keep you steady. Be ready. Listen to me. I bought the anchor, but the problem was the boat was bigger than the anchor. If you can't figure that out yet, but let me tell you something. The anchor don't work because the boat pulls the anchor wherever the boat wants to go. And when the boat pulls the anchor wherever the boat wants to go, we end up in places I don't want to be. Like in the weeds, in the brush. I'm out in the, out in the water swimming, and the currents have blown in all the way up to shore. Now I have to swim about forever, it seems like. Sometimes we have an anchor. But our anchor is not in where it needs to be. It's not big enough. It's not strong enough. It's not heavy enough. It's not where it needs to be. You need to be anchored in the Word of God. You need to be anchored in the Spirit of God. You need to be anchored in the love of God. If you're not, the winds will take you away. I'm concerned. I'm concerned that our drifting is going and where some of us are too far to even roll back. I'm concerned the devil's got a hold of us so much that we've got so comfortable and complacent with where we're at. We say, hey, listen, Pastor, I don't need that message. I don't even want it because it would mess my comfort up. I like it how it is. I like our little group. I like our number. It's comfortable. There's only one problem not what God created us to be. If you're okay with your way, then it's okay. But if you want it God's way, he says you need to be doing something. You need to be saying something. You need to be ministering something. You need to be witnessing something. You need to be living something. You need to quit drifting and start getting busy and start rowing. If you're not where you thought you were even five years ago, last year, six months ago, friend, it's time to start rolling. Make some moves to get yourself where you need to be. If you don't feel the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit like you once did, 
You need to clean house and clear things up and make sure you're where God wants you to be. If you want to see your sons and daughters and grandchildren and everybody else saved, friend, it starts with you. I got a question. I'm done. Are you drifting? If you are, it's not too late. It's time to get a better, bigger anchor. Time to get a bigger anchor. Will you stand with me? We'll go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I don't know who you're trying to speak to today. Lord, I don't know what's going on in people's lives. Father, I don't pretend to be their judge. All I know is, Lord, you gave me a message. And I believe, Father, with all my heart that this message is for us at this very point, at the very time, at the very place. You said your word would not go out void, and God, I believe today you're speaking to people. I believe, Father, you're faithful. And I believe you're trying to do something in our hearts and lives and in our church this day. God, help revival break out. That our community might be affected. Our family might be infected. That God, ourselves, might be passionate about the things of God like we once were. Help us, Lord, to wake up from drifting before it's too late. Help us, Lord, to obey your voice, do your will, and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to come and pray, (laughs) I can't think of a better time and a better place. If you feel like you've looked, kind of veered off, you're not where you need to be, that (laughs) maybe even you've been doing some things. Maybe you've tried hard, but you just don't feel like you're where God wants you to be right now. I got news for you. I found out that sometimes I do too much and God does too little. I'm just being very blunt and honest. Sometimes I just got to say, Lord, I got to leave it in your hands. I'll do everything I can, but God, I cannot do this. I can't fix this. I can't even change me. Lord, I need you. Hebrews 2 and 1 says, give the more earnest heed. You know what he's saying? Wake up before it's too late. Give it all you got before this life is done. Fight the fight of faith. Run the race. And let's take as many with us as we can. I'm afraid we're drifting. But God's trying to tell us to wake up.